0: just remember I'm the better looking one of course I'm the one that that actually (laughs)
1: exists in real life so
0: yeah David's the one that you're actually gonna see at a conference hey Bankless Nation happy last week of July summer is almost over but happy Friday morning to you we're gonna be drinking a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. as we enjoy the weekly roll-up we hope you are as well David how are you doing today
1: oh absolutely fantastic Ryan Um, some more for eight, Three Arrows Capital fallout. Uh, we saw. We said last week that it was probably coming. But as far as it goes, that's like the only contagion stuff we have to talk this about this week. Is this, it? Week. this is the last this time is we talk this about three,
0: three Arrows Capital?
1: Well, I don't know about that. But like the topics <laughs> okay. like Celsius seems to be over, Voyager's over. It's only Three Arrows Capital
0: that's left. All right i uh, are getting some closure this week, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Coinbase. An employee mm-hmm. got arrested for insider trading. Yeah, You can yeah. be an insider trader at, at Coinbase. And there's some fallout with the SEC uh, and Coinbase They got into another tussle. And the, right. even the CFTC is weighing in on this. We're going to cover that as well.
1: Big drama. Big drama in the regulatory space. And the last test net. The last test net ever. This is the last step before the actual merge is scheduled. It's here. The Gourley TESnet is coming in the 6th to 12th of August. We don't know when because it's uh, set by a
0: TTD number. We'll talk about that later. But Ryan, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. It's Ron, happening. Paul, ah, it's happening. Yeah. Lights in the background. That's great. As always, guys, this comes at you every Friday morning. This is the best way to recap your week in crypto. Hope you're joining us and uh, make sure you like and subscribe Please if do. you are. So if you're on YouTube, make sure you like this video and subscribe to the channel. And if you are listening to this on podcast form, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. On Spotify, by the way, this is now in video version. We partnered with Spotify. They partnered with us. I don't know. What are the other? We now have bankless video capability on Spotify, which gives us another platform beyond YouTube. It's pretty cool. I enjoy it.
1: Yeah. If you're a a Spotify listener, you can become a Spotify viewer. And then at the crypto conferences, people can stop mixing me and you up.
0: (laughs) That's great. Just remember, I'm the better looking one, of course. No, yeah, well, I'm the
1: one that, that actually <laughs>
0: exists in real life. So, yeah, David's the one that you're actually going to see at a conference. Yeah. Like, so it's definitely going to be David. All right, um, all right, all right, David. Let's get to the markets. Bitcoin, it. what's it doing?
1: Some good things. Uh, Bitcoin started the week at twenty three thousand two hundred dollars, ending the week at twenty three thousand seven hundred dollars, up two and a half percent. Up two and a half percent. Nice green we'll week. Take it. Uh, job, green, green weeks, stacking on green weeks. We got, I think, three green weeks in a row. Ryan, three knock green. on wood. Knock on Does wood. What happened? Yeah, that,
0: that, that can that, happen that, during the bear market. It's allowed. <laughs> hmm, it's allowed. <laughs> but the bigger story yeah. was this one. What's this yeah. chart telling us? This is, uh, <laughs> this is a Bitcoin chart again. But let me actually pull up the Ethereum yeah. chart. Yeah, we need, that one. we need that one. Because I think the lines are a bit steeper one. upward. What are we looking at?
1: Started the the week at fifteen seventy. We are currently clocking in at 1726, Wow. up 8.7%. Uh, was, it, was it last week that ETH was up 30%? Mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah. So again, just stacking. on. Do that math in your head. Green, so we're, oh, don't ask me to that do that. That 8% no, plus
0: nope. the 30%, we're 38% on two weeks. No, that's sir. not how it works. You can't add, you can't oh, add right. percentages. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, I do. <laughs> You're I'd that. have to go back to the 14-day
1: right 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 Uh, the good news
0: uh, is we're green we're up and we're mm -hmm. heading in a good direction um i think there's a story here Uh, so did did you see it just like suddenly leap up yeah i guess that was wednesday on the day Mm -hmm. of recording and that's something to do with the Fed, actually. Yeah. Jerome Powell yeah. spoke that line, that nice green candle into existence, I think. And we're going to get to get to why that is in that story. But before we do, let's God, take a God, I'd love to quick... be able
1: to speak green candles into existence. Is yeah, only oh, Powell... Sorry. That would be, a, could, that'd be a You have superpower. to apply
0: for the position of central banker, David. <laughs> oh, i Do you want out. that job? I'm out. No. <laughs> no, I <I'm> don't. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a terrible job. Yeah, it sounds like an awful like, job. Like, honestly, everyone hates you all of the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry, Powell. <laughs> ETH Bitcoin ratio. What's the ratio telling us? Up 6.2%.
1: Uh, is up to 0. 0.02. My ETH BTC trade finally coming back to parity. <laughs> is that a real
0: trade you made or is that yeah, a oh, trade yeah, in your a, head?
1: A, a long, no, a long time ago. I've been holding it. Oh, really? Yeah, I've been knuckling it. Yeah. Do you know, sir, I've never had
0: the guts to make that trade. People trade yeah, in the, the ratio. The the short like,
1: short Bitcoin, long Ether. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I would do that by just holding ETH over Bitcoin over the long time horizon, but like, right. actually trading this ratio is like. Mm-hmm scary to me spooky right. territory yeah. i admire you david yeah Have i told well, you that
1: well uh thank you don't, <laughs> don't,
0: don't don't you shouldn't you should admire me for other reasons other than you, my you trading <laughs> you're trading yeah. not your trading game yeah. uh we could always look at the dpi ratio if um no, you know, if you're curious about ratios but how about the crypto market cap are we above a trillion this week
1: yeah. yeah we're above a trillion we were at one trillion last week we are up to 1.138 trillion uh, the math is easy this week. We are up 13.8%. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. Gas
0: prices still down on uh, the gas
1: prices like crazy PG. low. 10. Yeah. 10 GUE. Average Gway fee. you. know what? You know what we'd be like super ironic, Ryan? What? Is if like we merge and, and there's ether, no burn? Ether is no. not deflationary. There's no
0: ultrasound money after all of this.
1: <laughs> after all <of> that. <laughs> uh, so like the, the deflationary wow. threshold is seven. And we are at 10.
0: Ah. <gasps> We're just hanging on. We're hanging on. So, um, I don't know. What's so funny is when transaction fees are high, people Mm -hmm. get bearish Mm -hmm. because they're like, Ethereum is not scaling. What's the matter? Transaction fees are so high. Now on the flip side, when transaction fees are low, they're like, bearish again. No one's using Ethereum, David. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a lose-lose scenario. Yeah,
1: bearish when fees are high, bearish when fees are low. I mean, OK, then that just means you're just a bearish person.
0: Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm optimistic in both of these cases, so it's a good Mm -hmm. time to get your transaction fees through. Yeah. Um, but I do hope. I mean, just for the posterity of it, like post merge, we got to be ultrasound, right? We got to be oh, gotta, burning gotta more be, ETH. We got to be. Eth I eth. will.
1: J- I will just personally spam the network with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Please do. Just for like you know five just minutes for the or meme, something. Just for the meme. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, five, well, let's by the way, about- five minutes of spamming Ethereum. I'm pretty sure that is at least like half a million dollars mm. so i will
0: yeah. not i will not actually be doing that colin create a dow for it you know ultrasound dow i don't know <laughs> Ultra get, sound backstop. Get Lubin to help. um okay markets the fed press release so um the big powell mm. raise uh came out i guess uh on wednesday uh the federal reserve issued a statement that said mm. they were going to increase the federal funds rate that's the interest rate of course uh, to two and a quarter to two and a half percent that is a 0.75 increase uh the, bringing the, the target rate number. to 2.5 percent mm-hmm. so they call that uh, 0.75 uh is 75 bips this is of course the um biggest rate hike i believe let me see since volker Um, The fastest tightening of monetary policy since Fed Chair Paul Volcker battled double-digit inflation in the 1990s, is the headline here. Um, Weak economic data was the reason, although Powell did say here, here's a quote from him, I do not think the U.S. is currently in recession. He told reporters that after the end of the the latest policy meeting. Uh, And he cited unemployment rate that is still near a half-century low and solid wage growth and job gains. It doesn't make sense that the U.S. would be in a recession. What's interesting about that statement, though, is I remember last summer he was telling us about transitory inflation. Right. And this summer he's saying, about transitory I don't think, the U.S. is not in a recession, and that wouldn't right. make sense at all. Right. So I'm not actually sure whether he believes that or not, or is kind of playing the act, or um, yeah, so what I this have, is.
1: I, I've been thinking about this a lot, this last week, actually. Is after listening to uh like Lynn Alden and Luke Grumman, our podcast, but also content that, uh, that Kyla Scanlon has been putting out. i I actually think that every single word that comes out of the Fed Reserve is an act. Yeah. There is nothing that is actually him it's there's nothing that is not specified everything is done as like a theater there it's is another no, lever
0: to tinker with re, the yes
1: yes that's like yeah yeah we, we talk about what are the levers of the tool of the fed they have interest rates and they have quantitative easing and tightening they also have how they appear as a big <laughs> tool a narrative and so that is actually probably the biggest tool and so I think when you read these statements by the Fed and you see you see the words that the Fed the Fed chair does not think that the U.S. is currently in a recession. That is not what the Fed chair actually thinks. That is what he wants you to think that he thinks that Uh. (laughs) that doesn't work forever. Right because if okay so this is well markets are just a hall of mirrors sure it's like well they think this so i think this so they think that so i think this
0: right but like it's kind of the keynesian beauty like once we start to know that the fed chair is actually not telling us the truth but is telling us what he wants us to believe then it's like inception. you have to you have
1: to go one layer deeper at that point (laughs) and then and then so does the fed and then we go one layer
0: deeper. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> wow, if we could just outsource this to robots and code, that would be so much simpler. Um, yeah, zero
1: layers deep, wow, wouldn't that be nice? Th-
0: the question is, though, is this uh, a peak in the inflation rate? I think mm-hmm. that's a question. We had 9.1%, remember last time. But um, mm-hmm. what was interesting about this, I think, David, is what we'll get to next. The market actually liked this. Yes. So think big... about this. We go 0.75, 75 bps up. Pretty big raise, pretty big yeah. move to tightening, but the market had kind of expected this to yeah. happen. And no then quantity. what do you think the market does? Does it go down or does it go up? Well, up is the answer to that. NASDAQ yeah. shot up, crypto yeah. shot up. And we're going to get into a thread as to the reason for that. But let me ask you, David, were you surprised at that? Nothing surprises me anymore these days. <laughs> so tightening and we go up i just up, don't have an
1: opinion on t- as to the direction of the market i have i've been in buy only mode for the past like three months
0: do you know it sounds it seems counterintuitive though right it's like mm-hmm. you actually like raise rates and then mm-hmm. nasdaq and crypto would you know pop up and that's why we're seeing the the eth pop of nine percent right. this week and also you right. know bitcoin up this week it was it was actually after the fed meeting right uh why don't we get into this thread? What is uh, a great Macro great elf saying? This is this is a voice I've increasingly enjoyed on mm-hmm. uh, Macro Topics. But uh, why don't you read this out? It's a whole thread about this.
1: Yeah. So Macro Alf A L F says, Powell hikes seventy five basis points, and yet Nasdaq and Bitcoin are going to the moon. What the heck? While I disagree with the unfolding market narrative here, let me try to explain why we are witnessing such a rally, Dis- uh, despite. Open, rec- openly recognizing economic growth is softening, the Fed unanimously, exclamation point, decided to hike BIPs by 75%. It's all about inflation, inflation, inflation. But markets convincingly started to rally only when Powell went ahead and said the following, quote, we are now at levels broadly in line with our estimates of neutral interest rates. And after front loading our hiking cycle, we until, until now we will be much more data dependent going forward. Let's find out why this is so relevant. Uh, so Alf continues and says the neutral rate is the prevailing rate at which the economy runs at its potential without overheating or excessively cooling down. I think I think that is called threading the needle. I think that's called a soft landing. With a 75 bips hike, the Fed just reached its estimate of a neutral rate. From here, they aren't contributing to economic heating anymore. Uh, and then here we see a graph. Um, and then he continues... Uh, but that also means any hikes from here are going to put the Fed in an actively restrictive territory. So I think he's saying that we are, have established an equilibrium with the economy. The economy is not going to go up. It's not going to go down. It's going to be flat. Uh, and so he continues and says, but that means that any hikes from here are going to put the Fed in an actively restrictive territory. The bond market knows that every time the Fed becomes restrictive, they break something. So Powell was asked a couple of very important questions. I'm guessing I'm guessing in like the, uh, the after the statement, they had like a press uh like seminar thing where the reporters could talk to them uh what about bond market pricing uh 70 bips cuts in 20 uh 2023 what about financial conditions uh so what about forward guidance and so this is when they quote from here on out we are fully data dependent
0: from and that's, the key becomes, that's, and that's the key quote that's the quote key at which quote. the rally started the, the right. rally started happening in the markets before that it was mm-hmm. kind of nothing the 0.75 did nothing to the markets but this statement from here onwards, we are fully data dependent. That was the differentiator.
1: Right, and so the, the, the question of what about forward guidance is answered by from here on on, for here onwards, we are fully data dependent, meaning forward guidance is gone. And so again, the thread continues, why is this relevant? It all starts from a very strong opinion that the bond market has developed, uh, uh, the strong opinion that the bond market has developed about inflation over the last few months. It's gonna move down and very fast. Inflation, the bond market thinks the inflation is going to go down fast, bigly. Uh, Between July 23 and 24, the CPI is priced to print at about 2.9%. So we're at, where were we at? 9.1% last month. Uh, Allegedly, the bond market, and between July 23 and July 24, the CPI is priced in from the bond market to be at 2.9% basically at Target. So the bond market is pricing in, that the Federal Reserve is going to get inflation under control, in about one year's time. So if Powell is not nearly on autopilot on e- anymore and the markets have a strong opinion on inflation and growth collapsing, they c- can also price all other assets based on this scenario. So basically saying if the bond market is pricing this in, so is everything else. If you look under the hood, market action also validates this narrative. Hence why you know, QQQ, the Nasdaq is going up, B- uh, Bitcoin is going up, crypto is going up. Uh, and so What's performing here? outperforming here, Nasdaq and crypto, of course, as I just said, if the Fed isn't going to tighten financial conditions on autopilot anymore, real yields will actually start declining again. Uh, and here we actually do see yields uh, start to, to decline and they continue. Again, we're almost done. When real yields decline, value intensive and risk sentiment driven assets classes outperform. That's because the marginal return for owning cash USD becomes less attractive and the incentive to chase risk assets is larger, such as QQQ, the Nasdaq and Bitcoin. Do I think this rally has legs? Question mark. I can rationalize the narrative being built post FOMC, but no forward guidance equals a very, very volatile Fed ahead of us. One small hawkish turn and it's all gone. You you must price in some additional risk premium here, not less. Basically what he is saying is that the bond market has priced in we're solving inflation in one year's time. So as soon and because the Federal Reserve is not operating under a forward guidance scenario anymore, they are saying we are completely data driven at this point. If the data comes out and shows that we are not solving inflation within one year time, the market is not positioned for that and will likely react to that in a volatile manner, like into hint, the downside. Uh, and so. That that's like the main conclusion to this thread.
0: Yeah. So the 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 TLDR is that you know, data driven statement had the, mm. has the market thinking that the Fed is done increasing for now, like nothing more than sort of expected. It won't get super yeah. ultra aggressive, right? That's what the market thinks. But the reason this rally might be tenuous is because if the market is wrong about that and right. inflation is much more persistent, it may drive the Fed's hand to change right. because now the fed is data driven apparently so can you trust this rally mm-hmm. is is a question of i don't know can, can you like what is inflation going to be in the future that's mm-hmm. sort of how tenuous this is right now so Certainly. i don't know i mean it's it's cool to see a rally like this i i i suppose but we're probably not out of the woods yet uh and uh i guess we're all pretty data dependent from here on out absolutely um
1: yeah, the, the, the data is going to be the thing leading the market is
0: an interesting place to be. NFTs. You know, last week we were <laughs> nice talking transition. about... Nice transition. Yeah, just a just a nice soft transition to something that matters a lot less <laughs> soft than the global soft monetary policy, I guess. <laughs> the NFT price floor. Actually, I was looking for a um, dashboard mm-hmm. of kind of the, the biggest like, by market cap uh nft projects and I found this Mm -hmm. nftpricefloor.com someone sent it to us we can include this from time to time but quick Mm -hmm. recap David what are we looking at just like maybe the top five Mm -hmm. how big are the top five nft projects by floor cap
1: yeah so I really like this measurement floor cap which is the price floor multiplied by the number of assets which is basically what a market cap is judged by the floor Uh, so Coming in at number one, of course, Bored Ape Yacht Club, floor cap of 857,000 Ether, followed by CryptoPunks at 714,000 Ether. That that gap is way closer than I thought it was. Uh, once upon a time, like Bored Apes were like almost three times uh, uh, CryptoPunks. Now they're almost at parity, followed by Mutant Apes, other Deed for Other Sides, Moonbirds, uh, Clone X, I don't know what that is, uh, and then Autoglyphs.
0: Do you know eight hundred and fifty-seven? So, Board Apes uh, equates to about one point five billion. I don't billion. want to. I don't want to know. Oh, one point five billion—that's the value of ten thousand Board Ape yeah. NFTs right now. But
1: there's not enough. There's not that much like liquidity there. There's four hundred and seventy-seven uh, ether that was traded in the last twenty-four hours. Which I get a decent volume, I guess.
0: I wonder decent if volume. like um, NFTs continue to become more financialized. Mm-hmm. If uh, we'll see this kind of you know free up a little bit. You know what i mean like to your point they're super illiquid right now but like what happens if you can kind of um lend against them borrow against them uh i don't know does that change the liquidity of them Um, yeah i think it should yeah Yeah. that's interesting anyway we'll look at this from time to time to see the health of the nft market uh let's move to i
1: I expect there to be different things there in the future i I would not expect like this, this remember do you ever remember um what was it coin market cap before there was CoinGecko. Oh, and there, like yeah. look looking at like the total market cap in 2017 mm-hmm. like it's it's completely foreign to what it is now because like things rotate out of like the top 10 oh, okay. i expect that I, bec- I expect there to be big rotation out of the top 10 oh that's a good take
0: yeah, yeah, so you don't like think that one. C- CryptoPunks, uh you know stays in the top five Oh, Crypto,
1: punk. in
0: Crypto punks in the, in the top five. I just, anyways, I, anyways, I got this him.
1: NFT project to show. <laughs> yeah.
0: Crypto punk maximalist. Okay. Yeah. Um, merge, David, you want to talk about the merge? We, I do want to talk about coming. the merge, Ryan. How did you know I wanted to talk about the merge? <sighs> it's so exciting. Okay. It's, this is, it's, it's happening. And, it's, and mm-hmm. I guess, uh, you know, quick tease in the market section today. Um, this is from DeFi Surfer. more than 7 billion of annual sell pressure. It's $20 million Mm -hmm. of daily sell pressure will be eliminated the day the merge is complete. Hal Press reminds us of that. This is not Hal Press, but something that he would say, going to be fireworks for the month following the merge. I don't know if you saw this chart, David, but Mm -hmm. again, once again, we're talking about post-merge. ETH issuance is going to be reduced like 4.1% to 0%, hopefully negative, in the negative territory, right? Not going uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Um, and that's an 87% reduction. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Issuance reduction of 87%. The triple halvening. It's like three halvenings in a row, if you're, you're used to kind of Bitcoiner uh, terminology. And that is happening. Mm-hmm. So if if the testnet is happening in early August, we'll get to what that means for like potential mainnet deployment. But we know what this means for issuance is... A massive amount of sell pressure will be nice. removed from the market at day one
1: So Ryan, uh, I just want to help put into context how big seven billion dollars is. off the top of your head, do you know how much capital, how much dollars microstrategy has purchased of Bitcoin? Not how much Bitcoin that they have in dollar terms, how many
0: dollars they've used to purchase Bitcoin? I'm going totally. throw I'm going to throw a number at you. Okay. Yeah. you ready to catch? Hit okay, me. hit me. $2 billion. four four billion. Okay,
1: double. Four, but they have spent four billion dollars on Bitcoin, and with this, with the you know post merge, Ethereum basically gets. We have this current equilibrium of where we are now, and post merge we have this a new equilibrium which is equivalent to a seven billion dollar buyer coming in yearly, every single year.
0: Dollar cost on averaging. Until history
1: ends, more reliable than Michael Saylor, even. Yes, much more reliable. <laughs> like, Michael Saylor is out of cash. Is I don't he... know if you've noticed, but his like cash, Got the amount smelling. of that he's bought is like now he. Whenever he like, oh, Michael Saylor bought Bitcoin. It's like he's adding 001 percent of like to his to his uh, stack. Yeah. Seven billion dollars yearly. Yearly. Yeah.
0: What, what's cra- What's cool about this too is like if you're an ETH holder, every time the Ethereum block space sells some blocks to somebody, which is what this Mm -hmm. is, is Ethereum selling blocks. You get money. (laughs) How great is that? It's so awesome. (laughs) I mean, anyway, we're excited about the merge. Uh, Let's talk about this going into the merge, all right? This is from Mm -hmm. Felix Hartman. And this is a total market capitalizations, the good old Bitcoin dominance chart. This is what Felix Mm -hmm. says. We're well into the bear market, yet unlike the previous one, Bitcoin dominance is still bleeding lower, while ETH dominance is on a steady ride, rise. ETH is now a mere 120% outperformance away from flippening Bitcoin. ETH Oof. did around 120 performance outperformance from January tw- 2020 to September 2020. So nothing crazy. David, before, yeah. is the flippening back on the menu, sir? Okay, so flipping's always
1: been on the menu, but also people are like, oh, one day, like Ether might flip Bitcoin. Like all the, e- all the ETH people say that, me including. Um, but like people like forget that like the flipping is just the first flipping. Like then there's the second flipping and then there's the third flipping. Like where you just start lapping Bitcoin over and over and over again. Like
0: you're allowed oh, to you be. Oh, you mean like
1: doubling? Like Yeah, you double Bitcoin, then okay. you triple Bitcoin and then you quadruple Bitcoin. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Come oh, on, man. Yeah. Don't, don't
0: grave dance on Bitcoin. Okay. I see. It can be number two <laughs> and be fine. I'm sorry, know,
1: but fundamentals are fundamentals. Wh- what Ryan? do you think I about, the what rules? do you think
0: about this take? Cause I've seen this increasingly and it happens nah. whenever, um, B- uh, ETH is coming closer to flipping Bitcoin, especially in the Bitcoin maximalist community. It's like, if you flip in Bitcoin, mm, right. you destroy the entire store uh, sovereign, non-sovereign yeah, right. store of value meme. Like That's you so kill smart. it all. It's one of the many,
1: many ass backwards takes out of the Bitcoin <laughs> Maxi camp. What, what they mean to say is like, uh-huh. if you flip Bitcoin, well, then you like you remove the king, and then you just make it so like somebody can flip you. Yes. No. The correct take is if Bitcoin gets flipped by the second chain then it'll probably get flipped by the third chain and it'll probably get flipped by the fourth chain mm. too. It's a problem for Bitcoin. If somebody if something flips Bitcoin, it's because they effing deserved it because their fundamentals are strong, not because I'm like magical ooh we popped the 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 immaculate nature of Bitcoin and it's like manifest destiny to be the biggest crypto ever. It's that fundamentals matter and Bitcoin hasn't been paying attention to Would fundamentals. Would you say since the same Genesis. thing
0: David? If ether what? got flipping and i will remind Ether you it got flipped xrp yes flipped yes. it right uh, one point in time something else did too i miss calling this xrp uh, at least cash. maybe bitcoin xrp twice
1: it. it was bitcoin cash that bitcoin it cash went, uh, as well yeah right. so
0: did did xrp and bitcoin cash deserve it or are you talking about a flipping that is more sustained in terms more of sus-
1: yeah more sustained and like not when markets are just super illiquid and young and also that happened during the irrationality of the the bear market like but simultaneously when XRP flipped, uh, like, yeah, flipped Ether, Ether was also $80, which I would also say was extremely irrational. That was just an irrational time in the market.
0: I um I also find it ironic that, um like, kind of if you're a Bitcoin maximalist, your whole purpose in life is to actually, like, flip in gold, right? Right. isn't that the whole thing? And, like, mm-hmm. well, if gold can be flippant, I don't know, that that is the king by Bitcoin. Right. Like, I don't know, it's just, like... Of right. course, better source if, of If
1: Bitcoin flips Bitcoin's gold, the, the world just destroys Ryan. <laughs> That's what a gold maximalist might say.
0: Peter Schiff, get you on the podcast. No, um, no, no. No? Have you ever no. heard him speak? Oh, God, yeah, it's awful. Uh, I haven't in a long time. It's been okay, a while.
1: Actually, he's one of those people where like, his macro takes are super awesome. His mm. asset takes are terrible.
0: Mm, yeah, I know right. those people. I know those people. Yeah. All the Bitcoiners. Those people don't have enough ETH. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about this for a second this God, is just we are, the maxi hats are on today <laughs> sorry <laughs> toning down i'm just excited about the merge david um yeah. he who controls the infrastructure controls the universe this is greg tweeting this out and this is a kind of an org chart of um spf sam bank fried um mm-hmm. beloved uh, crypto banker and he has been on a buying spree this cycle right um assets that are kind of like have depreciated massively other crypto banks, bailed, helped bail out um, BlockFi. And I think the take here is that's great. Uh, Sam managed his money very well and is very well positioned for this. It's also a little bit alarming to me to see even more consolidation in the CFI space. Like all of yeah. the, the companies that managed to stay healthy and, and retain a balance sheet are now buying all of the companies that didn't. And so what we get, the result of like all of these kind of acquisitions is further and further consolidation and centralization. CZ is also doing the same thing. And I'm just like, okay, these are smart business people. I get it. But it's another reason why DeFi looks like very hopeful and very bright is because we've always been concerned at Bankless that if... We just replace one set of bankers with another yeah. set of of central bankers. We haven't really achieved anything in this whole crypto right. journey. Right. And like I'm not faulting SBF or CZ for being like responsible and good business people in doing this, but I'm just <laughs> saying like the system is kind of broken if it's all consolidated with a new set of bankers. Like we got a new JP. Morgan on the scene, and he's SBF
1: mm. All right. coming up next, like I said, three errors capital is on the table. They speak, Suzu and, and Kyle Davies, they did an interview with Bloomberg. They actually said words. So we're gonna read out some of the quotes to hear what they have to say. I'm gonna go ahead and put on my Fed cap for that one, saying like, if all the words that coming out of Kyle Davies and, and Suzu are not their true selves, but instead an act, because that's probably what they have to do in the moment. Anyways, after that, Coinbase insider trading opens the window to for the SEC to target the entire industry. So there's two parts to the story. A a insider trading at Coinbase, that's bad, but just like kind of an open shut case. The what the SEC is doing as a result of that is terrible and needs to stop. And now it's triggered the attention of the CFTC. So we're going to get into all those details and more and the rest of the show right after we get through some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible.
0: Hey, guys, we are back uh, talking first about Three Arrows Capital. I I wouldn't mind, David, if this is the last time for a while we talk about Three Arrows Capital. And I feel like uh, this kind of gives us maybe a little bit of closure on this story but the story is kyle davies and suzu who are the founders of theros capital and definitely in the spotlight they spoke this week it's their first interview was not on bankless was on bloomberg in written form and we have some of their quotes here david what are some of the choice quotes okay. from this article that in bloomberg three Rose capital founders break their silence over the collapse mm-hmm. of the crypto hedge fund what did they say
1: yeah first one comes in from suzu and he says people may call us stupid they may call us stupid or delusional, and I'll accept that. Maybe. <laughs> <Susan>. <laughs> he said maybe? But, the, but they're going to, you know, say that I absconded funds during the last period where I actually put more of my personal money back in. So that's not true. Like, the absconding is not true. Um, again, like, I, my take, I was going to say this to the end, but I'll say it here. This kind of feels like a whole, like, PR stunt. Like, why would Three R's Capital take an interview with Bloomberg? It's because they, they need to fight their image right now because it's probably relevant in court. Uh, that's my take. I'm going to go ahead and poison the well here with that uh, quote. Number two uh, from the from the article, advisors in charge of liquidating the fund said in Ju- the July 8th filings that Sue and Davies hadn't cooperated with them and that the founders' whereabouts were unknown. Sue said death threats had forced them into hiding. "Quote: This does not mean that we've been uh, that we haven't been communicating with all relevant authorities," said Sue in the telephone interview with Davies and two lawyers from Salter LLP. We have comm- been communicating f- with them from day one. Again. Um, Again, PR management, again, is, is my take, is my take. Uh, quote number three, this whole situation is very regrettable, okay, Kyle Stabey right, says. Say. Many Plus people on lost a lot of money. Yeah, it is very regrettable, that is certainly true. Uh, Quote number four, Uh, Efforts by Sue and Davies to deflect blame are a sharp contrast to the pair's previously relentless campaign of cheerleading crypto assets and belittling critics. Nerves were raked anew this week by creditor claims that the founders put a down payment on a $50 million yacht before the fund went under, a claim Sue Zhu said was a part of a smear campaign. Uh, the boat was, quote, bought over a year ago and commissioned to be built and used in Europe, Sue said He rejected the perception that he enjoyed an extravagant lifestyle, noting that he biked to work and back every day and that his family only had two homes in Singapore. That's it? <laughs> it's just
0: living on the poverty line here. <laughs> had
1: two homes. Okay. Uh, quote, we have never been seen in any club spending lots of money. We have never been seen, you know, kind of driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis around, Sue said, this is kind of smearing us, I feel. It's just a classic playbook of, you know, when this stuff happens, when fun blows up, then you know, these are kind of the headlines that people like to play. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. Quote number five. (laughs) Uh, What we failed to realize was that Luna was capable of falling to effectively zero in a matter of days and that this would catalyze a credit squeeze across the industry that would put significant pressure on all of our illiquid positions, Sue said. Jeez. After, after that day when Bitcoin went from thirty thousand to twenty thousand, that was extremely painful for us," says Kyle. "And in that, that ended up being the kind of the nail in the coffin." Uh, last quote for Kyle and I. There's so many crazy people in crypto that we kind of uh, that kind of made death threats or all of this kind of noise," said Sue. "We feel that it's just in the interest of for everyone if we phys- if we can be physically secured and keep a low profile. I think." That is maybe it is in the interest of everyone. Maybe not. It's definitely in the interests of Kyle Davies and Suzu to be physically secured and keep a low profile. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and of course, death threats uh, are are not cool. Under that's probably that's probably
1: true. They are probably actually getting death threats. Yeah, I, I believe. That
0: I mean, 100%. that is a legitimate reason for yeah. for um, hiding. Right, but like, I. Right. I but some death, death quotes, threats
1: and not cooperating with the council. Did you are hear an apology? Things. No, what? did I you heard, hear? It, I heard. I heard that it was very regrettable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe we made yeah. some mistakes along the way. That, that's. Right. Um, I read this article because it was fascinating. Because, as I said before, like I feel like I wanted some closure from this. Sure. Because, uh, like, I can't. Hearing this now, if you're just new to crypto, I can't describe to you how revered these guys yes. were. Three years Capital. Yeah. Were during the bit. They the, were like the bull trader market. gods. Trader gods, greatest traders to ever live. Right. Like, just, this is just what it felt like crypto Twitter and, and the broader community kind of bought up. Like, you want to see the, the best traders in the world. It's Suzu, Kyle Davis, Three Years Capital. Um, and so I wanted to understand how mechanically they went bust, right, from their perspective. And this is what I gleaned from the story between the, the quotes about yachts and such. So how did Three Years Capital go bust? Number one. They failed to manage risk. Yeah, kind of a requirement quote, to go bust. Quote, quote from the article, we believed in everything to the fullest. Not the kind of thing you want to say <laughs> if you're managing risk. And by the way, th- these are not just lessons for Three Rows Capital. These are lessons that are applicable to us. Right. How do we not fall in the Three Capital track? So they went all in on these speculative projects. They used margin, they didn't hedge. It's kind of like gambling. If you were approaching crypto like that, it's not the way to do it. Number two, they got wrecked by Luna. We failed to realize that Luna was capable of falling to effectively zero in a matter of days. What happened, I think, David, is something that can happen to you everyday investors, people on the bankless journey, is you get FOMO. You get, mm. in this case, alt-one FOMO. And what happened was Theros Capital missed a number of big alt-one runups. right? They missed that whole Solana thing that Multicoin and Friends got, uh, got in on. And so they started to believe their own narratives. They wanted to play catch-up, and they added risk in an effort to catch up. They didn't have to do this, but they wanted to get more out of the alt one narrative. And so they went in on Luna and they went in big. big also bigly. avalanche, I think. Yeah. Um number three. They got wrecked by uh staked ETH depegging from ETH. The quote from the articles: Are there people who uh, there are people who also leverage long staked ETH versus ETHer who will get liquidated as the market goes down? The answer to that question is yes. So they didn't appropriately manage the risks when they were entering into kind of these um, uh, these markets Mm -hmm. uh, that were somewhat obvious, right? Of course, you can't make the assumption that Dai is always going to stay pegged to a dollar. You can't always make the assumption that staked ETH is always going to maintain its peg with ETH. And if you are um, margining and risking some of your assets based on that assumption that is a bad move. Number four, they got wrecked by GBDC as many people did because everyone did it, then the trust went to the discount and then went um, to a, f- a far bigger discount than anyone thought possible. So like during these kind of market events, things can happen that you don't expect, uh, like GBTC depegging in such a big way. Mm-hmm. And they didn't consider that. And then, of course, Like they didn't do the classic thing of they weren't ready for Bitcoin to go to 20K. This is Suzu again. Bitcoin went from 30K to 20K. That was extremely painful for us. That ended up being the nail in the coffin. Crypto investor, are you ready for a 90% drop in your assets? Okay. In the last bear cycle, ETH went down by 95%. I knew many a good crypto investor who got l- their positions liquidated Hello. in something like MakerDAO, All right, <laughs> It's like, these, these people are great investors. Full, full confession, yeah. I was one of them too. Oh, yeah, there, there we go. Where's that <laughs> POAP? I, I think we both would have that POAP. Well, I d- like so I didn't get liquidated, but it came closer yeah. than I mm-hmm. ever want to feel again. Yeah. All right. So like, you got to be ready for these drops. Summary of the lessons for us from the Three R's Capital bust. Number one how do you avoid this in the future? They went bust because they took too much leverage. They believed their own hype. They bought the top on speculative assets. They weren't ready for a 90% drawdown and they invested more than they could afford to lose. At the end of the day, this is basic stuff. It's almost noob level stuff, right? It's the stuff that we all need to embed deep in our psyche if we want to survive on this journey. Mm -hmm. And I think the final lesson from all of this is the pros aren't always what they seem, okay? The trader gods didn't End up being gods after all you got to do your own research don't listen to what david and i say don't listen to what suzu says do your own research mm-hmm. on this stuff yeah that's the yeah thing. there's a
1: there's a there's that quote that everyone's an expert in the bull market so <laughs> yes. like it's, it's it's more about being an expert in the bear market that's the that's where true colors show up
0: what what is the uh um, the fallout reaction from this uh this interview like it wasn't very favorable no, there, a there's a number the
1: of, uh, yeah, the, the Block put out a, an article that, that had some reaction takes to this, the Bloomberg article. Uh, and so a quote from a, The Block article says, One disgruntled party told The Block that they were absolutely disgusted after reading the interview and said, Stop hiding and deflecting blame and own up to your own mistakes. Cooperate fully with the relevant parties and do not ghost those involved with this. And a second quote from Arthur Hayes, and this is this one's awesome. Arthur Hayes, no stranger to controversy, he's the guy that got charged by the CFTC for operating BitMEX, was scornful in a thread on Twitter taking issues with Sue's claim that he wasn't flashy come on y'all. Sue ain't flashy. He rides a bike to work and then to the marina where his super yacht is moored. Only two <laughs> homes, bruh. You straight summoning it in the Kampong, aka Tangling. I don't know what these references are. Uh, he wrote, rich people references. I mean, sir. Yeah, rich. Yeah, I'm assuming rich, rich <laughs> neighborhoods in Singapore, maybe. Uh, he wrote, referring to different Singapore neighborhoods. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. There it is. That's the story. Case closed. That's what we can learn. I hope we can move on from this and I, I know we will. David, Let's talk about this next item, which is big, Coinbase Insider Trading. And I think there's two pieces to this story. Why don't you tee us up with both those pieces?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the the first one is just a headline, right? Uh, Coinbase product manager arrested on insider trading charges. You know, kind of more or less the full story. You kind of get it. There's not really too much crazy there. Um, two individual brothers profited by 1.5 million dollars in illegal trades on 25 different crypto assets and at least 14 different separate coin- Coinbase public listings. And so the idea here is that Coinbase lists these tokens. These people that know about it ahead of time buy the tokens and then they sell the tokens after the listing, after the token pump. Uh, Coinbase has been like listing a lot of like just ridiculous tokens lately, like ones that I don't even think are on Uniswap of all places. Wait, really? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's oh. true, but it's like the, the names of the tokens are like I like uh, what was that what was that right uh let's go Brandon coin like yeah (laughs) stuff like this it's a bad bad tokens it's like already questionable uh so like they're kind of digging themselves a hole but anyways these two brothers charged with uh doing illegal trading Um, but that's like the much smaller side of this story the much bigger side of the story is that the SEC is charging these two brothers for trading illegal securities and that's where so much collateral damage comes into this whole entire Wait, are trading. there
0: there's two charges here. One is like wire fraud yeah. which is the like the base charge. Right. But they're also charging them for uh, legal securities? Yes. And so the the
1: SEC is is claiming that the assets being traded are securities. And so they're taking these two brothers, I think, and there's also a third person, a friend, uh, and they're taking these people to court for wire fraud wow. and, for, and for trading secu- illegal securities. So what this does, Ryan, is it implicates Coinbase as an illegal securities exchange. It implicates every other exchange that also trades these assets as an illegal securities exchange. It implicates uh, the issuers of these tokens as issuers of unregistered illegal securities. And the worst part about this, Ryan, is you know who the defendants in this case are?
0: These three, bro- these two brothers, and this other guy. Oh, so they're they're picking they're picking on them, like I, right? I understand they were they were at fault. There's a mm-hmm. real wire fraud yes uh, charge here. No one is contesting that, but the SEC is trying to make a broader point, yes. I yes. suppose, in court. Right.
1: Yes, and so the, like say these, these people like plead guilty, I think this is the way this works. They, these brothers plead guilty because they don't have the resources to fight the SEC, and the, whether or not they, they trade securities is yeah. not their fight. They, they're they fighting whether they should go to jail or not over wire fraud. They don't care if they were securities or not. Who does care is Coinbase and the token issuers who aren't defendants. And so since they're not defendants, they can't stick up for themselves because they're not involved in the case. <laughs> it's ridiculous it's, it's actually it's, the most
0: spineless move i can think of like it's 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 like okay so yes wire fraud front running yep. bad yep. the thing they did charge is em. inexcusable charge, charge them em. like we have a legal system for a reason mm-hmm. let's use it to its full extent it's the securities thing that the yeah. sec is sneaking right. in right that right. uh sneaky, implies sneaky sneaky a much Gary more insidious Gensler. agenda okay let's see what uh see what jake Travinsky says i'll read it in, in a read read week, reader, Scott, please. More. Um, the SEC alleges in today's complaint that nine digital assets are securities, but don't explain their analysis for even one. Right. They also right. didn't sue the issuers or exchange where the tokens traded, the people with resources to fight back. Right. They just went after one man and his family. Predator, it's hard please. to overstate what a mess this will be. The SEC's jurisdiction turns on whether these assets are, in fact, securities. This means the case may require nine mini trials, one for each asset to resolve their security status without the issuers or exchange to defend any. Wow. This is like winning on a technicality. Is this what the SEC is trying to do here in order to push its, its, I guess, regulatory apparatus into controlling more of crypto? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's super, super nefarious. Uh, Jake had another great thread, which we'll read here. Um, The SEC filed a complaint yesterday accusing 10 companies of violating the securities laws, nine digital asset issuers, and one exchange. None of them are the defendants in the case. None of them will get their day in court. And if this isn't regulation by enforcement, then nothing is. Here's a threat. Defendants are three individuals, Coinbase employee, brother, friend, etc. We've already talked about this. Uh, In addition to the SEC SEC suit, the DOJ uh, indicted them for criminal wire fraud, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, trying to scroll down, Ryan. Uh, to be clear, I'm not trying to excuse insider trading. Of course, another weird. That's what we're saying. Uh, the SEC alleges that the defendants committed securities fraud by using material, non-public information to trade ahead of Coinbase listing announcements. To establish jurisdiction, the SEC claims that the assets in question, the nine digital assets, are unregistered securities. As far as I know, the SEC has never addressed these assets before. We've learned the SEC's views on the facts, patterns that it believes, uh, qual- that it believes qualify them as securities for the first time in a federal complaint rather than in guidance or rulemaking. This is regulation by enforcement. It's not uncommon to learn for the first time when an enforcement agency has identified a violation when a complaint is filed, but typically that happens when the agency files an action against the person who they think broke the law. This is different, very different. Here, the SEC isn't just accusing the defendants of breaking the law. The SEC is also accusing 10 unrelated, uncharged companies of breaking the law, nine for failure to register digital asset securities, and one for operating under an unregistered national securities exchange. Despite leveling accusations against uncharged companies in public, the complaint is devoid of legal analysis. They didn't even give any analysis as to why the tokens are securities. The SEC just makes a few allegations of fact and then similarly similarly concludes that they satisfy Howey. But surely these That's are the Howey test, which Howie is test, kind of the, yeah. the,
0: the legal mm-hmm. court justification for why things are securities mm-hmm. in
1: the US. Yeah. To win, the SEC must prove that one or more of these assets is a security. In a real sense, these companies are on trial too, but the SEC didn't name them as defendants. They are only allowed to defend themselves in court. They are not allowed to defend themselves in court. On principle, this is deeply unfair and unjust. Yes, yes. Uh, that's probably a good place to wrap
0: it up. It, it goes on, yeah. It goes on uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot more to this, but I think I think we kind of get the gist. Um, okay, so that's what's going on. Um, besides the defendants who are in this re- like regrettable position of like also trying to defend against uh, the SEC here, um, Coinbase wrote a post right. fighting back here the title of this blog post is coinbase does not list securities end of story yeah. this is by I mean, the chief legal officer of coinbase the tldr is coinbase does not list securities on its platform period yeah. i think the C TLDR title. is all we need to read here. <laughs> just read
1: the title um, yeah and, and it's and, like it's, the tone of this is like hey sec f off we're not, we're we, don't, not no, we don't even
0: know, like, why are you saying right. these are securities? You're providing right. no justification for why. Right. You've given no clarity, despite right. the crypto industry having asked for this for like the last yeah. seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And now you're just blanketly uh, saying through right. this enforcement action that certain right. things are securities or not. Right. I get, my question though is, David, is this, is this actually, in in one way, sort of a good thing in right. that, like, the SEC will also have to prove in court. That these nine assets are securities. Now, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. some of them genuinely actually are securities. I can't right. like attest to you, each of them. Right. It's just the principle of like we have no idea what's a security and not. There's there's no clarity. We have mm-hmm. absolutely no clarity from the SEC, right. and they keep pointing to the Howey test, which is like was it 1930s, 1940s right. legislation about an orange grove has not been adopted for the modern world and certainly not adopted for the world of cryptocurrencies Mm -hmm. and they can barely say bitcoin is not a security they barely say that and sometimes they say eth is not a security and other times it feels like some of them try to 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 wheel that back a little bit too Mm -hmm. and so we have absolutely no clarity even though some of these assets are clearly commodities and this is what the sec is doing and i don't know what the end game is or why they're doing it david yeah, um, I, I think
1: this is just a state uh, an illustration of what happens when one agency just gets off the rails and tries to do a power grab. Uh, and so the CFTC is playing in this game as well. So they they release a statement and they release a statement that starts with a quote, which I really love. And the quote is in the world, words of Federalist Papers number forty nine: "The people." are the only legitimate fountain of power, and it is from them that the constitutional ch- charter is derived. Government is and should be the servant of the people, and it should be fully accountable to them for the actions which it supposedly takes on their behalf. Uh, and so, First the, principles, baby. Yes, fir- we, yes, we love the first principles thinking. And then they continue, the case, SEC versus uh, Waheed, the bro- one of the brothers, is a striking example of regulation by informant uh, enforcement. The SEC complaint alleges of dozens of digital assets, including those that could be described as utility tokens and/or certain tokens related to decentralized autonomous networks, are securities. the The fact that the CFTC is making a public statement about the errant nature of this of the SEC, that that's a big deal. But like, well, yeah, this like, is a commissioner saying right. basically
0: to the SEC, guys, chill, chill, like chill, just chill, guys. chill, Gary. Right. Yeah. Okay, you've gone too far. You're crossing some right. lines here, mm-hmm. and it's not even clear. That this is SEC's jurisdiction right? right I mean there's some turf war between the CFTC and the mm-hmm. SEC, and the CFTC so far has been much like more pro market innovation right and not enforcement right. uh, like through through um, regulation through enforcement, uh, regulation through through enforcement. enforcement. See, the actually, problem with
1: that Ryan is that like the Cftc is like okay, like, you guys, industry, there's some rough edges, but, like, good job. Keep going. Let's see let's see where this goes. We'll, like, be relatively hands-off. BitMEX, no, no bad. We're going after you. But, like, for the rest of you guys, like, keep going cautiously. Yep. And then the SEC is like, oh, CFTC, you're just, like, leaving this open for us? We we'll can take have it. all of this. We'll take yeah. it. Like, we'll take all of this. It's the
0: same reason libertarians never win elections. Right. Right? It's yeah. just because it's just, like, the tactics they use of mm-hmm. just, you know, aren't... Aren't working right. so the, right. the, the bigger government policy uh ends up winning, but this is really hurting coin stock. I don't know if you've seen right. this, David, but yeah. uh, Coinbase shares tumbled 21 percent, and this was right after the report that it's facing an SEC um probe. I guess what you, right. that's what you call it being probed by uh the SEC. Uh, sounds mm-hmm. lovely uh coinbase valuation look at this since oh, ipo brutal. david that's brutal yeah, so on that's on, we got a bear the, market here of course sure but
1: like it, it was ironically I, I think when coinbase ipo'd yeah that was the top of the main market
0: uh felt like the top of the market man um it's kind of funny because i'm bad. like kind that's of bad. bullish coinbase coin yeah. at these I mean, prices right? I,
1: ironically you know what it takes for it to be especially bullish coinbase for the sec To get just like a leash on it
0: (laughs) yeah through the court system i mean how where else is the leash going to come it's got to be executive order which doesn't seem to want to rein that in or the court system um this is interesting as well related Mm -hmm. unrelated who knows kathy wood of arc she's a bitcoin uh bull of course arc invest they just sold nearly 1.14 million shares of coin at all time lows of fifty-three dollars oh, and their average purchase price was two hundred and fifty-four dollars. So down called a, bad it's on that trade. Bad.
1: It's called down bad.
0: Yeah. yeah. I um I guess like a take as a reminder take here is I feel like a lot of people are trying to solve problems through regulation right now in the Coinbase. Like so even if you think about the uh, Coinbase insider trading problem, David, mm-hmm. um what if we just allowed everyone to list assets. And there was no such thing as front running. Imagine right. that. We don't have to imagine that. That's called Uniswap. All right. To take here is stop trying to solve everything with regulated crypto banks. That's what the Genslers want. <laughs> That's what the Genslers want. The answer to listing uh, front running is Uniswap, where anyone can list. The way to prevent another Celsius is by using Aave, where loans are on chain. We have the solution. It's called DeFi. Mm-hmm. I do think that. DeFi doesn't solve everything. Right. But it does solve some of these problems here, including right. lack of transparency in a black box. We had the Celsius's in and, and the BlockFi's of the world, and also including Coinbase front running. If you're mm-hmm. listing an asset on Uniswap, anyone can list anytime. There's no insider information whatsoever for an asset listing, and it eliminates the problem completely you eliminate the need for regulation. That is the model for DeFi or the regulation happens on chain and everyone can be a regulator. Anyone can audit this thing at any time. That is the better solution than uh, you know, clamping down in a big way.
1: Part The whole point of labeling something as security is because of a, a, information asymmetry. Like if you are the issuer or the manager, then you know things, than the buyer does. And yep. that gives you a bunch of power. A lot, not everything. You are you. You just said that DeFi doesn't fix everything, so we're, we're alluding to the same thing. But like DeFi fixes a lot of the information asymmetry, like the majority of it, and it really reduces information asymmetry. So like, sure, uh, like a, a ten people could get together, make a DAO, issue a token, and that might be considered a security because you have these issuers. But like, you know, maybe. You know i don't know join the discord see what they're up to if they if they allow allow that you can see their behavior on chain you can chain see that when gets li- li- are, caution, are, right. basically
0: they're like um quarterly statements right. in real time
1: right you get to see yeah. revenues so like a lot of transparency happens when so even if it's a security if it's a token on chain automatically there's so much reduced information asymmetry so yeah i don't know gensler well, take it into account bro
0: yeah what we're saying is there's wins for you Gary, if yeah. you come if you come to DeFi, look at DeFi. If you get back to base principles of what are we trying to do, right. um, More transparent, fair, orderly, efficient markets. There's some yeah. wins on the DeFi front, and we wish you would see that, yep. Gary, in the SEC. It makes maybe us one sad. Day. It makes us uh, sad. David, this is not sad though. Breaking, some breaking. good news. Some breaking news. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what is happening now with the verge to the merge? Yeah, the Ethereum
1: developers have announced the merge date for the Goerli test net. Kind of weird, it's weird to say they announce a merge date and then the date is a range, between <laughs> August 6th and 12th. Why but that's because it? of the way that this works. They've announced the TTD, which is Total Terminal Difficulty, which is basically a metric that is like a, related to the hash power of the Gorley, uh network. Basically, as we get closer, we'll kind of know this date. Between 6th and the 12th, it'll happen. The Gorli testnet is going from of August, from of, of August uh, which is the last testnet before the merge. Uh, Bankless will be live streaming this. Uh, and host some the Stakers, probably Anthony Sazano, if he wants to come. Whoever wants to, whoever's big in the staking community that wants to come, we'll host them. Um, we're we're going to live stream this merge. If it all goes well, if it all goes well, Ryan, I give it four weeks to merge, maybe wow. five, five, maybe
0: six, maybe six. September,
1: September, September. Wow. If it
0: goes well. If it goes September well. September merge. And the others have gone well. I will and say. The others have gone well. They all will have, have gone. Go- well they they have gone well enough to pass that test of going well yes correct correct this is big yeah. man this is big big this is might big. be happening guys big. we're gonna um stream it here of course we're gonna have lots of merch coverage for you <laughs> so much that you'd be sick of talking about it uh yep. we've got some other Not things me. to cover when we come back first PoApp and the wnba this is a non-speculative crypto use case love what PoApp is doing here secondly the uniswap token there's some fee switch rumblings. They may be turning on the revenue stream. We'll talk about that too and its effect on the larger DeFi token market. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible.
1: And we're back with a battle of the ZK EVMs. This was a huge theme during ECC week. Three different teams independently launched their ZK EVM roadmap uh, Scroll, Polygon, and ZK Sync. It happened to just be ZK EVM week. Um, Probably, depending on when you're listening to this, I am hosting a live stream with Scroll Polygon and ZK Sync today, Friday, if you're listening to this today, 8 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. Uh, and so you it might already have been happen, happening, happening. Maybe if you're listening to this very early morning, it's about to happen. We are hosting all these teams to talk about their ZK EVM. Uh, but we have three different teams going after the ZK EVM. Ryan, can you explain why we are so bullish on ZKM, ZK EVMs, and what the difference is between all of these various ZK EVM yeah, flavors? So
0: we talked about it last week why zk evms are important and it's basically because you can get all of the the goodness and expressivity of the ethereum main chain only mm-hmm. in a layer 2 that is you know zk roll up secured and there's this um this term that was bandied about that like people like people have still have questions about of evm equivalence what does it mean how do you stack these platforms side by side and i thought this was a great illustration of equivalence so what you're trying to do is everything that you can build and deploy on the Ethereum mainnet, you wanna be able to do the exact same thing, have it be mirrored as close as possible to the Ethereum mainnet on a ZK, in a ZK-EVM world. Mm -hmm. And the different ZK-EVM solutions take different approaches to that. If you're to kind of like, the technical stack into three layers you have kind of like the the very low level runtime layer that's where everything is kind of eventually compiled down all the code that that somebody writes in solidity is compiled down to to runtime above that you have another layer the bytecode layer and then above that you have the actual language so in the case of ethereum on the mainnet you're you're uh, programming the language of solidity uh, in almost all cases And so EVM equivalence and EVM compatibility means some level of the runtime bytecode and language layer mirroring what's happening on the Mm -hmm. Ethereum side. So StarkNet basically allows you to do solidity, but then it transforms that into uh, another kind of language that is called Cairo. And then it has its own bytecode layer, it has its own runtime, does not mirror Ethereum closely. Um, ZK Sync is kind of next. Uh, it allows you to uh, write in Solidity, and then it, com- it compiles that down. But like the bytecode and runtime are still different than the Ethereum mainnet. Hermes goes a step farther, and uh, some of the bytecode, like at the kind of the opcode layer, uh, is. Um, uh, basically the same as Ethereum mainnet. And then scroll goes the farthest, where it is the most equivalent to Ethereum of all four of the solutions, where it gets down to kind of the bytecode layer. Uh, and um, you know the runtime, of course, is uh, the ZK EVM. That's kind of the difference between all of these solutions is mm. you can sort of transport your, your Solidity code. Uh, on StarkNet, you, you kind of have to learn some Cairo on zk sync you can sort of port your solidity code same with hermes and scroll but with with scroll it has more equivalence to ethereum at the bytecode right. layer and these other solutions don't have as much though they have some well done I'm impressed. Ah, yeah. What, nice job. It's pre- some, someone more technical is just going to be like, all of that was trash. Bad explanation. <laughs> but everyone less technical is be like, oh, wow, thanks, Ryan. He's really smart.
1: <laughs> He's really smart.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about this uh, Hayden tweet, yeah. David. So this is the Uniswap token. It is printing money. Not the token, but the protocol. The protocol what are we looking protocol. at? Protocol.
1: Yeah, we're looking at, it. we've seen this so many times before, but this one is even the biggest, the biggest discrepancy between the Uniswap fees earned through the Uniswap trading fee protocol, $7.5 million in one day versus Ethereum's $2 million. So like Uniswap fees up, Ethereum gas fees down, um, it's eight, eight, like $9 million a day average in daily earned fees for Uniswap liquidity providers, which is just crazy. Uh, I mean, we usually would talk about this in markets, but there's more to the story this time. Uh, so we have, there's a governance proposal about the Uniswap fee switch, not necessarily to turn it on, but it perhaps about a redesign. Uh, so a, a, this thing coming out of a latent QSAC, uh, fee switch design space and next steps. Uh, and he begins saying, there has been a lot of discussion around whether the fee switch should be turned on. This, In most of this discussion, I see an assumption that using this fee, the fee switch equals money going to Uni token holders. I think this is limiting. I'm not going to read out this whole entire proposal, but there's conversations in the Uniswap governance about the fee switch. So like <laughs> anything at this point would be great. Uh, and anything is happening. Something is happening. Uh, there is uh, a podcast coming out on Monday about, Dao governance and how Dao governance needs to get fixed in order to fix uh, protocol fees. Uh, so that's highly relevant. That is with Hazu It's one of the best podcasts we've ever recorded. But the fact that Uniswap's printing money, there is a proposal being actively discussed called uh, fee switch design space and next steps. Uh, yeah, this is the fee switch is coming. So you're saying. I mean, yeah. You think it might I, be the, the, it's it's not not coming at the very <laughs> least. We are uh, I don't know if we're making steps in the right direction, but we are not making steps in the wrong direction at I, the very I th- least. Th- look,
0: I think that Hasio episode is uh, is perfect because there is this perception of like our our DeFi protocols, our blue chips are not broken. Like they just handled the recent crash phenomenally well. They're still printing mm-hmm. money from a revenue perspective, but there's right. a perception that the tokens themselves are broken from a value accrual perspective. Valueless from,
1: governance tokens has yeah. turned into an actual, not a meme, but actuality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's
0: the discussion we have with um, Hasu is how do we fix that? Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty optimistic that we will fix it and fix it this cycle. And we're starting to see that in governance mm-hmm. play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, definitely tune into that episode. David, I've had this question of um, whether, I, I don't, not many people are talking about it, which maybe means like people aren't going to do it, but like, you know, it could, yeah. I could imagine that um the chain that gets forked you know merge and becomes kind of the the canonical ethereum chain with with proof of stake right that that will obviously happen but someone will probably continue to operate the The ethereum chain chain in a proof of work environment like an ethereum classic classic Type right. of move? Uh, no, classic cash. Classic, classic cash. Ethereum yeah. is. Oh, is this a thing that's happening? Oh, I, or, I don't
1: know, but I would imagine. That. <laughs> what else are we gonna
0: talk? <laughs> <laughs> well, like uh, it just seems like opportunity. Do you, rem- do you remember yeah. that that time when um, there was like I don't know fifty different flavors of Bitcoin, like Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin, Bitcoin I don't know. Private, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin yeah, exactly. S- Cash, Bitcoin
1: Satoshi's Vision. Around the Bitcoin time that ABC. Bitcoin Cash forked. Right. Yeah, yeah, Satoshi's Vision. Uh-huh. All of these things. You could probably append an adjective to Bitcoin and there was probably
0: a fork of that. It was like it,
1: it was it was called the the um, fork and fair launch era and it was equivalent to our defi yield farm era but for bitcoin and proof of work.
0: Like 2017 era. Is uh 2016 to 17, yeah. 2016 mm-hmm. to So, do you think anyone's going to do this?
1: Uh yeah, probably. Like the yeah. miners? I mean, like the the it just takes a very minimum amount of coordination to coordinate on the new shelling point which is the proof of work chain that forks off of ethereum before it goes to proof of stake. Uh like Why not? Well, and and the thing is, like, if some people do it, then like traders do it. And if traders do it, then other traders do it. And all of a sudden it becomes a shelling point.
0: I feel like all the people that would have done this are busy with their own chains though. You know, like, um, they've already made Justin a to Justin Sun, <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, you know, he's got Tron, you can't <clears throat> right. fork in another Ethereum. Oh, uh, sir, you underestimate
1: Justin Sun, sir. <laughs> he can <could> teach
0: another <laughs> Justin Sun, Sun will do whatever
1: he wants if it makes him money.
0: Look, the great news if you are an ETH holder is, of course, you just get this coin too, yeah, whether it's valuable I don't think or it's valueless. Gonna be that simple. Just get it, sell yeah. it, free yeah. airdrop, free fork.
1: Yeah. That, I, that I will say that that you should sell it. <laughs> You never know, David. I don't know how fast or slow,
0: but eventually you should get rid of it. Okay. Not financial (laughs) advice, but you should definitely sell. You just have it, so. NFT stuff David. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Uh oh by oh, the way. Wait, wait, we didn't Classic even finish.
1: We didn't even start that story. This story
0: this story, the story was a different story.
1: Ant, Antpool, which is a, a proof of work mining farm for Ethereum, supports Ethereum Classic ecosystem with 10 million dollar investment. Ethereum Classic is the proof of work Ethereum chain that forked off of Ethereum with a DAO hack. It's the one that has embraced proof of work. Antpool, a proof of work miner, has uh, invested 10 million dollars to support the Ethereum Classic ecosystem. Makes sense? because these people have hefty hefty financial investment into proof of work and so they would love it if ethereum classic had a vibrant ecosystem so they could they could just like mine that chain and sell those tokens because like you go i mean what is the ethereum classic market cap ryan it's got to be under Uh, a billion right
0: at this yeah
1: are we market oh wow five five, wow Wow! No, this is eight
0: point five billion, my friend. Well, yeah, but it's also up forty percent on the day. Oh, it's been appreciating relative to ETH recently.
1: Yeah, well, big time, right? Yeah, yeah, and so, but, but also this like quarter trillion dollar network, Ethereum is going to turn like all of the revenue towards proof of work miners off. And then, like these miners that are f- mining this, like you know, quarter or two hundred billion dollar network, are all going to go and start mining this eight billion dollar network, uh, and so like margins are going to get real thin. And so these miners are investing in Ethereum Classic because they need to pump up the chain because that's well, their revenue source. Maybe
0: that's David. Maybe maybe that's why there won't be many forks uh, or any forks of a pre-merged Ethereum is because no, be Ethereum Classic be kind of has that niche already. Yeah, but,
1: but if you fork off of the most, most recent chain, you get a lot of like MakerDAO and yeah. you know, all like Compound, all these things are still like the contracts are on Ethereum. Things like DAI will break because the Ether price on the new Ether price will go to like zero or like very, very low. Hmm. Like USDC is not going to be honored. A lot of things that are going to be extremely chaotic on that chain. Hmm. But like, I don't know, like you can pick something up from the ashes.
0: There you go. For the enterprising young scammer. It's yeah. Just, uh, yeah. just, Start your just long Forced enough for me to sell. Just let me sell. <laughs> there you go. Hey, maybe something could come of it. I, we shouldn't be uh, so, so so sure here. So, David. Yeah, something as in more <laughs> ether for me. <laughs> well, let's talk about PoApp, NFT POAP, stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, this is Roz saying, I'm a giga fan of PoApp because they found product market fit outside speculation. And this is a tweet. A yeah, f- few POAP have done that. At a, In a stadium on the Megatron, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. scan to collect your WNBA NFT. It's mm-hmm. a POAP, uh, and this is a partnership with the WNBA. You, I yeah, have the
1: WNBA releases like this, like to do, like what is this? Yeah, and they say we're excited to announce that everyone attending the 2022 cool. WNBA Commissioner's Cup Championship presented by Coinbase on July 26 will have the opportunity to mint a free collectible NFT called a POAP. This is the first ever WNBA issued NFT and it serves as a digital proof that you attended the game, kind of like a ticket stub or souvenir.
0: Cool, cool. That's very nice. good exp- explanation of what a PO App is, actually. Yeah, right? Yeah. Good job, yeah. guys. And job. that's exactly Hold what up. a PO App is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the PO App itself on Po. Wow, it's pretty. Dot .gallery. Yeah, it looks great. Nice. And I think about... 84, uh, 84 yeah. people. No, no, no. Um, 700, apparently 700 people or so inputted their emails. They're still, oh. you know, we're, yes. we'll, we'll start working at something like this. And, uh, you know, but these are new people entering right. the crypto world that previously mm-hmm. wouldn't have. And these are definitely um, more, more the normie side, right? This Certainly, is not a yeah. speculative uh-huh. asset use case. It's nothing DeFi. Mm-hmm. I right. guess it's NFTs, but all you had to do was show up to a game, to an event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I love that. Yeah.
1: So, like, uh, 84 people got them. So, 84 people pulled out their phones, scanned their QR code, and had a mobile wallet to collect that POAP. Oh. 84 people at a WNBA game had... A mobile wallet,
0: that's kind of cool. Um, let's talk about this, David. There's a bill before Congress, bipartisan bill seeks to eliminate taxes on crypto transactions under $50. <laughs> if I blah, had one blah. of those kazoo things, I'd be
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cool,
0: but just under $50, that's You're all $50, we get. Dollars? How, like $500. Yeah, yeah come something. on, 500, I, please, please. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but um, th- these are some of the that's per- not even dinner. People. Like if I have to pay somebody back for dinner, it's like over $50. Right? I mean, I guess this is gas fees maybe sometimes, most yeah. of the time on Ethereum. Yeah. But I guess so. Yeah, God, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Some progress. I don't know. It's something. We have to see if that goes you know, anywhere. You, you know that it's something meme? Yeah. It's something. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that meme, but yes. Oh, really? I, I see it now. Uh, <laughs> other news. Solana has physical store, stores now. Mm. It's like the Apple store. There is a Solana store. Looks like in the background, there's some t-shirts. Looks like there's a t-shirts. shoe over there. Yeah, what is that? Uh, there's some NFT uh, frames as well. Um, okay. I can say anything more about this, you know? It's, okay. Solana's got a store.
1: Solana's got a store. Is it open 24-7 or is it know. close? Where is this store?
0: <laughs> I would kind of like to visit, actually. Come on, that was a funny Showing joke. For sure. What'd you say? <laughs> is it open 24-7 or is it close? <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh edit that, delete that. We're gonna YouTube <laughs> no, comments. Don't do,
1: that. don't do that. That was a good joke.
0: Let's <laughs> move on. Uh Chipotle buy the dip promo includes two hundred thousand dollars in crypto for customers coinbase accounts the restaurant chain is also giving away two million dollars in guacamole and queso to celebrate national
1: avocado day. oh god it's a bear market god next 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 you wanted next.
0: to include this david so you have to live with it now tell us why this is significant for a roll-up sir
1: oh coin chipotle has adopted crypto <laughs>
0: Bullish we'll guacamole. Please. Next.
1: Next, please. <laughs> oh, let's do it again. <laughs> Too <laughs> much introducing, fun. introducing Web3 subscriptions coming out of Mirror. This is a real announcement. We're back to being totally serious. Mirror says that they are excited to announce the launch of Web3 subscriptions. This new feature allows readers to subscribe to any Mirror publication with their wallets and receive email notifications when content is posted. For creators, Web3 subscriptions open the door to building a wallet-based community as opposed to an email-based community that can be use across Web3. Uh, so basically, rather than using your email and password, you use your Ethereum wallet. Uh, and a big headline, big like line that they title a paragraph is, the future of community is wallet native. Big fans of that. Big fans big of that. Fan.
0: I, like, I really like what Mirror is doing. It's like Mirror, the Substack killer. I don't know. 100%. They're making some progress. This is all yeah. about winning the hearts and minds of the creator community. And I think that's right. better done with NFTs. Uh, David, we, what's this? As previous Substack customers, we would know. Uh, wallet current, Connect. Current, <laughs>
1: <sir>. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oopsies. Don't jump the gun. (laughs) Uh, Wallet Connect. Say hello to the future of chat with Wallet Connect chat. You can DM any user using any wallet on any chain. So, Wallet Connect releasing a chat feature. Uh, Cool. Nice. Nice. Uh, Next. I like this. I want to do it. I just
0: don't know who to do it with, David.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we have, like,
0: we chat on Discord, right? Right. we chat on Discord. Yeah. Chat you up. Yeah. (laughs) uh
1: okay if ryan you want to take this one you should take this one yeah yeah
0: okay uh this is raises so we're talking about raises so aptos is a a layer one chain that just raised 150 million dollars from ftx jump crypto and more and friends um i think aptos was the um former people involved with the dm project the Novi project at ah, Facebook.
1: yeah. So yeah.
0: Aptos consists of the leaders, engineers, and strategic talent behind years of development at Diem and Novi. You remember when Diem um, was like a big thing? And big in Ethereum 2018, killer. it was the blockchain that was gonna come eat Ethereum and all of the other yeah. smart co- contract chains. It's called Diem, yep. it's best engineers in the game. They were at Facebook and they developed this, uh, not Solidity, this programming language called Move. Well, it's right. back, now it's called Aptos. And I've actually heard in the developer community, some, some rumblings, that Move is kind of cool, kind of works better in, in some ways maybe than Solidity. Um, that does not before. say much for the Aptos chain. I'm not sure about that, but the same tech. And it kind of begs the question, it's like you look at some of the investors here, FTX and Jump Crypto, besides Aptos, there's another chain that's similar to this that also uses Move rather than Solidity, it's called Sue. And so is this the rise, David, of the ETH killer killers? Hmm. Question mark? Is hmm. this a Solana killer? Around is, the
1: roller coaster we go.
0: Yeah, it's another interesting. And in the, in the set of investors, of course, are um, the typical investors who funded other layer ones in the past. Um, the skeptic take here is rotator is going to rotate right. and we get a new crop of alt layer ones every single cycle. And here's another one. Yeah. Um, I guess the more optimistic take is awesome. More funding. Uh, move is potentially a really cool technology who knows what these blockchains can bring to the table doing more experiments getting more funding for these experiments as well what's your personal take my friend
1: um i don't know how to differentiate it other than the backstory of facebook i'll wait until i see a community
0: there you go what a what a reasoned uh, rational take from my co-host here um also i'm just
1: exhausted ryan
0: <laughs> you are you hot in there do you have the AC off? No, I'm exhausted of all, of all the uh, the ones. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I thought you were exhausted because we just did like a three hour podcast with Bloggy Bloggy. <laughs> we do a lot of podcasts, guys. Uh, yeah. Unstoppable Domains, they just reached unicorn status after their latest raise. So over a billion dollars. That's what unicorn means. A $65 yeah. million dollar Series A.
1: I don't, how does Unstoppable Domains make money? They I sell feel like domains, they've got, sir. They've gotten drowned out by
0: ENS. No, yeah, they sell domains. It's a good business model. Dot Crypto i have a dot crypto i did not purchase okay. it but i have one uh let's talk about jobs. you didn't give the money <laughs> Bank, bankless jobs board a uh, few cool jobs of course as always this is your reminder to um, what david what do they need to do get a job in crypto yes. it's do you
1: listen to how much fun me and ryan have i mean I, bankless probably has the most amount of fun out no, of any don't company say that. everything's like <laughs> what? this
0: we okay. do i mean we i'm, I'm just we have a lot of fun. We want you to get a I mean, job.
1: Other, other <laughs> companies, other companies also have fun. Yes. Um, and so you should get a job in crypto because they are probably more fun than your Boomer Web 2 TradFi job.
0: Oh, there's also some Bankless jobs, Alpha. Oh, right? wow. I wonder why I was talking about you how fun it is to fun. work at Bankless. <laughs> but first, Vertex Protocol, a marketing coordinator. That's non-technical. A bankless UX UI designer. That's non-technical. Senior newsletter editor. We are looking for that. It's literally the best job on the market. Also non-technical. Really hard to do, but if you got it, you got it. Yeah, Streams. It's yeah. looking for a financial analyst. Steakfish, I think is smart that. Smart wait, contract. is that is that non-technical? That's financial definitely analyst? non-technical. That's non-technical. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Stakefish. Smart contract software engineer. Stakefish. Back-end engineer. Steakfish blockchain technical. marketer. That's not technical. Stakefish, front-end software engineer. Stakefish, uh, DevOps technical. engineer. I Bankless Academy, product Ooh. manager. Don't know what that is, but it's definitely not technical. Uh, Bankless Academy, I know what that is. Up and coming. I, mean, I do know what that platforms. is, but I don't know what they're awesome. up to. Guys, there's so much for you there. Uh, go follow the Bankless Jobs Board at bankless.pallet.com. Make sure you plug in your email. You'll get these updates via email when they come up. You'll know what the jobs mm. are. David, DevCon's coming up too. We should do a quick PSA for DevCon. What's DevCon about, and uh, what's some of the alpha around DevCon?
1: Yeah, so it's a little bit like DevConnect that we did back in Amsterdam. Amsterdam was the first DevConnect. DevCon, this will be the 7th? No, sixth, sixth DEVCON. This one is held all over the world. Uh, If I was on my game, I would be able to list off every previous city that DEVCON's ever been to. Even though, Ryan, I have been to zero of them and I'm very bummed about that, but I will be going to DEVCON number six. Uh, So DEVCON ticket sales are underway. They are released in tranches. Uh, You can get your tickets at devcon.com slash, E-N for English, slash tickets, or devcon.org is, oh, did I say Devcon.org uh, for your tickets. It's in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, some people got a little bit turned off by, like, is that safe? Colombia is Look, scary. Everyone's Look. asking. Is it safe, uh, David? Vital- if Vitalik's going, I'm going. And I'm going to go anyways, even if he doesn't Looks go. Looks beautiful. I'm definitely going. Uh, like, yo, there Look are hotels and stuff. It's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, it's happening in October, like, 11th through 14th of October. Uh, so, I will certainly be going, uh, which is, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. There is also excited. a
0: special discount for um, students, builders, mm-hmm. uh, and and particular, students from Latin America. So, we'll include a mm-hmm. link to uh, where you can find that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. David, we got some hot stuff coming up next, including questions for you and I from the nation, including questions is ETH a Veblen good? Question yeah, mark. I love this question. What is a Veblen, good. Another question, what's Ryan and David's life like when they're not working? Does that even <laughs> <What>? exist? <laughs> who, who let that question in? <laughs> hot takes from crypto Twitter. Of course, we got a few hot takes for you as well. We'll be right back, but before we get there, we wanna tell you about these fantastic sponsors that make Bankless possible. Hey guys, we are back starting with the questions for the nation. As a reminder, if you have a question for David and myself for the roll up, get it in. Go follow us on Twitter, that's Bankless HQ on Twitter. If you have a question for the roll-up, we're throwing a thread out there every Wednesday and just add your question to the list. The first here this week is from mymoneyplan.ch. Is ETH a kind of Veblen good? That is a good that's demand increases as its price increases, like designer handbags, the Gucci, the Prada, that sort of thing. Is ETH a Veblen good? David, what do you say?
1: Ryan, the answer is unequivocally
0: yes, yes yes it
1: is and we have two ways of answering this question one we can just kind of reason about this um ether the yield the real real world yield as in like what you can buy with ether yields uh goes up when ether price goes up right and so but not uh how am i trying to say this okay so 32 ether gets you like five to seven percent yield at like one thousand dollar price, it'll still get you a five to seven percent ETH nominated yield at one thousand dollars, or ten thousand dollars, or hundred thousand dollars. So the yield does not go down in real terms as the price goes up, which makes it desirable as price goes up because the the yield is always the same. Uh, we've also can see this in uh, this the transactional volume of this thing. Whereas we've so we we're talking about today, Ryan, where the the volume of uh, gas markets or the the Gwei prices, super low, because it's a bear market. But when it was a bull market, we had 40, 400, 500, 600 sustained Gwei gas prices for weeks, because as as the economy heats up on Ethereum, more transactions happen on Ethereum, more Ether gets burnt, more yield goes to stakers. And so as Ether price goes up, because the bull market is on, the yields go up, the ETH burn goes up, and the price goes up. And so this turns into a positive feedback loop, which is exactly what a Veblen good is. So this thing actually perpetuates itself forward. Now, it doesn't do that in a short time frame. it does it over like 10, 20 year long horizons. And so this like self-perpetuating bull market, I think will take a long time to play out. But yes, thing, this thing is a Veblen good, you also, it also gets more liquid as the price goes up. That's like a normal property of all assets, but it's especially true of, of Ether because it has its own native liquidity inside of things like Uniswap and Balancer and like all these exchanges. And so Ethereum provides Ether its own liquidity, which scales with price. Uh, it provides uh, increasing yields as price goes up. So price goes up, but yields increase faster In real terms, not in these terms, in real terms. And so is ETH a kind of Veblen good? Does it get more demand as price goes up? Answer, Ryan, is yes. Yes, it does.
0: There it is all along. ETH wasn't luxury. It wasn't ultrasound money. It was luxury money (laughs) all along. That is a terrible brand of money. The Gucci of money. Sir. I do
1: not subscribe to this. Veblen good.
0: That's what you just said, David. I quoted you directly. Let's go to the second question. How does your day, week normally look like in terms of uh, work outside of the hours you record? Would love to know how you guys go about your days. Hmm, oh, why don't boy, I pull I up the bankless calendar David, and see <laughs> yeah. if there are any hours that you are not recording this week? <laughs> because I think you might be recording during more daytime hours than you're not recording, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, th- this,
1: this week was special. Uh, this week was – I did a lot of podcasts this week. Um, well, why do well, you answer? What, when you're not recording, what are you doing? Th- th- this week has been so far – wake up at like uh, seven in the morning and then and then kind of clock out at like 7 p.m., go get dinner and then come back and write a little bit more for like an hour. Uh, it's for the, This week has been uh, like uh, only bank. This has been kind of insane. What is, what is it like normally? It's uh, that, wake up at seven, maybe I clock out at like five, go to the gym, go get a dinner with a friend, and then I come back and start writing more. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that I
0: have a healthy work-life <laughs> See how fun this is, guys? This is crypto. Well, look, man, when it's a Get hobby... Get a job in crypto, guys. It's also your job. It's kind of hard yeah. to, like, separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a similar schedule as you. Like, I mm-hmm. wake up at, like, 6.30, 7.30. I spend some time mm-hmm. with the family um, I have kids I have a puppy a dog mm-hmm. I do all of my family stuff and then I get into bankless I'm usually like trying to catch up on what happened the previous day yeah. is sort of where my day starts so that's like email Twitter Discord Telegram digesting yeah. massive amounts of, of information and data and like sorting it, putting it in different places. I,
1: I do all those same steps
0: except I skip email, but then I get Discord messages yeah, from did. Ryan saying see email. <laughs> see email or I will screen I will literally screenshot David an email. <laughs> Force me me to check my email. Show this to you. Here you go. And as I just described it, like information sorting, I'm like, oh my god, am I an AI? That was like, is this what I do? I digest information, sort (laughs) it. Anyway, I do that for a while, and then, uh, man, we have so much going on at Bankless. If it's not the podcast, it's um, Mm -hmm. looking at the newsletter, trying Mm -hmm. to improve the the product. Uh, We're launching a new website. We've got some other initiatives, some member initiatives right. that we're doing, and we have a hang team on, of. like... Hang on, we have to stop talking about Bankless. What he says, uh, Fuma says, would
1: love to know what you guys do. Oh about my god, your day. I misread it. Outside <laughs> yeah. your work hours? <laughs> yeah, so outside of work hours, not not how no. we work.
0: <laughs> sir, sir, this is outside uh, of the hours you record. So I was oh, getting to the other okay, non-recording okay, hours. Okay, okay, yes. I yes, guess. Yes, okay, yes, so okay. in terms of hobbies and such. My hobby is also crypto and DeFi and like philosophy and economics and history and all of the things that mm-hmm. crypto touches. So it's all it's all kind of one in the same. I am. A, I guess I love to read books. Yeah. I'm a, reading a book on kind of, um, you, know, you know, there's a new Christopher Nolan movie coming out oh, called yeah, Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you Ooh, a Christopher Nolan
1: fan, by the way? Yeah, certainly. Have talked about this? Yeah, OK, uh-huh.
0: so Oppenheimer is coming out and I just recently started reading a book called The Making of the Atomic Bomb. That sounds great. It's, it is great david Sounds great yeah. are you making fun of me
1: um, no no that's a really interesting period like with like the united states like we we kicked germany's ass and then we stole all their rocket scientists and oh, but, then and then we started making rockets and They're the book great.
0: starts cool. before that it starts right. with kind of the scientists who mm-hmm. actually discovered the physical property of a thing that hypothetically existed but they didn't right. actually know existed called yeah. the The atom, the The freaking atom. atom. Mm -hmm. And once you discovered that existed, then everyone's like, well, what do we do with it? Mm -hmm. And some brilliant scientists were like, we can harness the energy of the sun from this thing, (laughs) both for good, like, it's just fascinating. And so it's all of these scientists. Imagine saying that line in like the late forties, we can harness the energy of the sun. (laughs) Look, it's the atomic era for a reason. Anyway, I do stuff like this. I go Uh on historical tangents. Mm -hmm. I listen to podcasts, uh, spend time with my family. that's my life man you exercise rinse, right wash, repeat. you
1: used to have exercise on your calendar in the morning right
0: <sighs> i used to i haven't gotten to. to it man yeah yeah
1: i i've, I've I actually really been, to... uh, the, since coming back from uh ECC, i've actually gotten into it i got i got some
0: sore are you glutes, lifting
1: right? i got some sore glutes right now
0: you know, you know I... I used to lift right yeah 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 totally like yeah you're a big deadlifter right? heavy as you but like mm-hmm. yeah i have not lifted in yeah. like two years yeah, yeah. it's been bad yeah. yeah i need to get back into this bank All yeah right. I need to do this.
1: Oh, okay. I, I also need to redeem myself because I said I like, like, made it seem like I eat food and, and uh, do bank yeah. stuff and sometimes <laughs> I skip the food stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thoroughly enjoy rock climbing. So there's a rock climbing gym not too far away. So, you, so I'm, I'm, I'm often there. Um, uh, also, big, big smoked salmoner. I don't know. I, I was gonna say smoker. Didn't know but, that, but that doesn't uh, doesn't land so well. No, uh, yeah, smoker is different. I smoke some real good salmon, Ryan. Really? You have, you have never had my smoked salmon, but yeah, you can ask my San Diego friends, the Alfalfa Boys. Do you, can you it's, smoke it, that? Like
0: in your this might be a stup- super noob question. Like in your apartment, do you know a way you, to do you, this? You, you cannot
1: smoke stuff. In <laughs> <California>. <laughs> so, I was gonna say. Right? Yeah, so this was back in San Diego, but i okay. so like I've got this fire escape and you are <laughs> not you are not supposed to put things on your fire escape at all um yeah. but like it's right next to my window and so i'm thinking about getting one of these like green eggs because they come in various sizes yeah. like, famous green egg smokers get the medium yeah. size and just like <laughs> carry it Blood through man. the window just and share some the with escape. the rest of the apartment
0: and no one will right. complain yeah. it'll be fine yeah. all right we, we still have right. one more question then okay uh cool. very important question is bankless doing a merge watch party and how do i get an invite
1: we are going to be a part of a Merge Watch Party. We will not be hosting the Merge Watch Party. The actual Merge Watch Party will be done by the Ethereum Foundation on the Ethereum Foundation YouTube, and me and Ryan will be there, or at least I will. Uh, and but the, it will be the test Testnet that we will be ho- hosting a Watch Party, hosting
0: a Watch Party. Did you just say at least I will, dude? I'm not missing the Merge live event. Are you kidding me? I'm just saying, I don't it's virtual right <laughs> I don't have to appear in person
1: you know <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be there yeah you can pre-record yourself and put it, put it <laughs>
0: <laughs> guys that's that's going to be really exciting how do I yeah. get an invite invite will be available everyone it's can on come YouTube. I It'll hope be on YouTube. Yeah. the entire mm-hmm. crypto community comes this is the biggest event in mm-hmm. crypto I, I think since the launch of Ethereum before that, mm-hmm. it's probably the launch of Bitcoin. It's mm-hmm. like the third biggest event to ever happen in crypto. Are we right. overhyping this, sir? Let's get to takes. No, no. It's, no, the, biggest under-hyping it's, it's the biggest event in crypto since the launch of Ethereum.
1: What's, uh, what's this take from Kronk? Kronk. Uh, CT sentiment, crypto Twitter sentiment. In November 2021, we're all going to be billionaires in this super cycle. July 2022, Germans will have to eat their own cats this winter
0: to survive. <laughs> oh oh wow, that was dark. <laughs> it's a little dark, but you know, crypto sentiment runs uh, real hot and then real cold. Real, yeah, right. And, and ge- it's been real generally cold counter-tradable? Question mark. Oh, good question. Sometimes, um, sometimes. You got a hot take though. Should, how about side. I read this? It's a hot take sure. from David Hoffman. Uh, number one, the 2017 bull market was Ethereum-driven. Explanation: Bitcoin had its own story, but it was the ICO mania at the center stage. That wasn't the hot take. That was the lead up to the hot take. That was the lead up. Okay. We're still building. Number two, the 2000, uh, the 2020 to 2021 bull market was clearly Ethereum driven. DeFi, NFTs, gaming. Number three, the next bull market will be three, three bull markets. Three, three out of three. Three out of three bull markets led by Ethereum. The bottom line, Ethereum leads, rocket, send that tweet to the moon we're not we're not done yet we're not done yet Wait, nope. that, that, that was not the yet? hot that was oh.
1: not the hot take You got two more takes oh you know, this is a three okay. for three for one package sorry i'm
0: ruining david's incredibly <laughs> hot take here uh the third ethereum bull market will be a fees based bull market the merch will allow ethereum fees to actually move eth price uniswap synthetics mkr and all the fee commanding tokens will also lead the next bull market is based on fees The third tweet. Here's the hot take. Here's the hot take. We're just building. Okay, now you ready for it? Yeah. Bitcoin's unsustainable security budget is actually not going to be a issue for like 20 years. As ETH goes through a 20-year bull market, it helps support Bitcoin price along the way. There. That was the hot take. You actually said that in the tweet. (laughs) All right. So it ended with uh, basically the sun grows up Mm-hmm. And supports the father. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. That's yeah. What's what's that
1: meme of like the uh, the mutant ninja turtles who are like being taught by the dojo person and then and then the dojo person person and then the mutant ninja turtles are super strong.
0: I uh, I you I'm, know the Star Trek meme. I I see the Star Trek meme of like, are we friends? And the one oh, Star yeah. Trek guy goes no. While the others say yes at the same time.
1: Yeah. I've been kind of mean to Bitcoin in this episode.
0: That's a Bitcoin saying no, we're not friends, and Ethereum oh. saying yes, we are. Um, <laughs> Okay, this this isn't a take, but I
1: thought this was pretty cool. So I just put it in in here. This is Tim uh, Bako. He goes, first time here, here being the Seattle, Washington NFT Museum. And I'm impressed. Beyond the art, the museum also has a mainnet miner and proof of stake testnet running. Uh, So there's this NFT museum in Seattle. Probably why this has showed up on my radar. Seattle's my hometown. Uh, But also what we're seeing on screen here is what that one specifically is like this uh, nano pools mining software. And Ryan, this was like the beginning of the first like nine months of my life was like staring at this screen, watching my miners like mine, mine ether. And like, if you zoom, if you zoom in, you see these little like green words that say like, uh, you know, unit confirmed. And you're like, boo, I got one.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Wow. What a, what a great date idea. Take your, uh, perspective, uh, date to the nerd museum in nerd Seattle, museum. Here at the NFT museum and watch live proof of stake uh-huh. command line. Uh, all right. Vitalik. He mm-hmm. had a great update at ECC. I watched the video. It's about 45 minutes long. Completely worth it. An update yeah. on the Ethereum roadmap. We, we pulled out um, two slides here. And I think uh, the big question here, there's much more in his full presentation, but the big question I think people have, me included, is what percentage of Ethereum are we complete? Right. Mm-hmm. And so Vitalik has given the line before that the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum is Bitcoin is 80% complete and Ethereum is about 40% complete. That's a big difference between yeah. the communities. Um, he actually said from his perspective about the Ethereum roadmap that we are 55% complete once we finish the merge. So just over halfway complete. Right. Uh, I want to ask you, David. So first, first of all, that, that number, 55%, does that feel about right to you? What would you have said if, about the completion?
1: And so when we did our roadmap episode with Vitalik, he talked about there's like all this extra stuff that there's a chance that we just don't have the time to get it into Ethereum before this thing settles. And this thing, this, his talk at ECC is about Ethereum settling down. Uh, Saying like we're about to go through this period of rapid change with the merge after that we need to let things like stabilize Um, But like there's a lot of things in the ethereum roadmap that like are kind of far out there um, And we might not actually get to it before we like learn or accidentally unlearn how to coordinate which is a feature not a bug like eventually these things these blockchains need to calcify so I think when Vitalik says that post merge we're at 55% done he's accounting for if if we did absolutely everything on the Ethereum roadmap, and we never really calcified before we like, were unable to get some of the last remaining things on. Um, and so I think that's that 55% measurement.
0: What, uh, what are we looking at here? Because this chart, right. I think, mm-hmm. tells a story here. Right. And uh, describe the axis for yeah. us and the shape of this uh, line here.
1: Yeah, so we're we're seeing we're seeing an S curve, right? And uh, the vertical axis is the capability of the system. So as we go higher, the capability goes up. And then the uh, the horizontal axis is, of course, time. And then we have this: we are here, and where we are is like right before the steepest part of the S. So we are on what Vitalik is saying is with the merge, we are on the cusp of the most the period of the most rapid change. A lot of things are getting capability and and yes, and and increasing capability. Like yes. like blockchains aren't necessarily supposed to go through rapid change. So this is a compromise that we're making because we know that we can make a more performant system, higher capabilities of course. But then what he's, he's saying is like, okay, we're about to go through the merge. uh, And like, that's going to change a bunch of things after that. Like, yo, we need to chill. We need to let things like steep a little bit. Like we need to, we can focus on some other things other than the protocol. Also the developers need to break. Uh, So like, we, we're going to go through this period of rapid change, and then we're going to chill. But he's also
0: saying he's also saying that uh, over time, you know, the big criticism of Ethereum is so it's always changing. It's like right. that's only the case right now. It is eventually right. the S curve kind of like curves down and it stops. It ossifies mm. to a right. certain level of capability, and even in this chart. Not I'm the x-curve, not,
1: not the same s-curve, the curve of the complexity of the system. So the, this, the chart that we were talking about previously was the capability. And then this next chart that we're now going to look at is the complexity, the complexity of the system. Yes. And so the Good we are point. here is we are right up to the point of maximum complexity. We're about to go into maximum complexity. And so what Vitalik's saying is once we get to that point of maximum complexity, we should start becoming less complex, not more Removing complex. Removing things
0: removing moving extraneous things, things. Yeah. he yeah. actually gives examples in the, in the, the purge presentation in yeah. the
1: whole like purge purge merge whatever thing
0: yeah exactly purge mm-hmm. the great purge the great ethereum purge i'm here for Purging. it david those are the takes what are you bullish oh. on this week
1: you know ryan you know how i recorded a bunch of podcasts this week <laughs> yes <laughs> you know? yes i do yeah i'm bullish on all the podcasts i record <laughs> <laughs> what's your
0: favorite you have to just name one that you know i have so three far. i have three um what are your three favorites
1: uh, so, you know the Cypherpunk t-shirts that we, that we made out of the Bankless DAO? Oh, yeah. I interviewed one of the names that's on the Cypherpunk shirt. David Chomp. Chomp. David Chomp. Coming on the podcast. Uh, so, that that was just an honor. The, we, we stand, this crypto industry stands on the shoulders of giants. Uh, and I got to interview one. Uh, so, that's coming out. Uh, I also did this pod, the food podcast. The food podcast <laughs> I've been talking about. Uh, yes. Not what you expect. But the cool thing about it is we use very similar words like... Uh, anti-fragility and... Uh, like the decentralization of our food supply and did how you, like Did you crypto pill
0: this nutritionist or was he He's already crypto
1: pilled. Oh really? Yeah he's already crypto pilled. so he like he leaned into this with me and he's like oh. we like we have a debt to pay to our soil because we have not been like reintroducing a nutrients back into our A debt s- to pay th- to our soil? Yes dude and so like Wait he's we like, ha- okay. we've had fiat soil this whole time? We've had, we've had fiat soil <laughs> and like now we need to like change our far- because we have been borrowing and pulling out nutrients from our soil, leaving it empty, and we need to put nutrients back into it. We need to start saving nutrients more than we are
0: borrowing nutrients. This is some saffadine mousse type level stuff here, David. Dude,
1: it was really, really, <laughs> no, but it's really, really good. Uh, okay. Saffadine mousse is like, he's acceptable okay. at the best. Um, but like, we have to have this soft landing, if you will, of how we change the way we produce our food or else if we don't, we're going to like overreach and then crash. Like these are the same principles of decentralization, anti-fragility, like savings and debt, but we apply all of these same words that we've been using in crypto to like this food crisis that's coming. It's like, it's, it's one thing when like we have a crisis in financial markets, Ryan, cause we can just kind of print money. You can't print food like what happens as a result of that is people starve. And so I actually, this was one of, it's a really good podcast from a content perspective, but Ryan, it's also one of the like, I think one of the most important podcasts that I've ever created uh, because of like how important this information
0: is. You you have my attention, sir. I will be listening to this one. Please, please listen. Uh, what else and you number
1: got? number three is all the ecc videos of the ecc interview with vitalik 30 minutes long that's out kane warwick is out uh i talked to kane about i think i teased this
0: last week i talked to kane about his fight with suzu uh just talked a to lot, a bunch so of e- a lot of this content by the way is mm-hmm. coming on youtube all right yes. but special thing for mm-hmm. people listening to the podcast primarily we are doing a massive content dump mm-hmm. on saturday where we're releasing mm-hmm. all, is it seven or eight of these ETH eight. CC episodes? Eight. yeah, All at once. All at once. That's a, just uh, a fun experience. Eight
1: hours, but broken up into eight different episodes. So yeah. you can
0: you know, pick and choose as you see fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get, get mm-hmm. the full ETH experiment, right? So you could listen yeah. to six out of eight or, you know, listen to all mm-hmm. eight. Listen to all listen eight, eight twice. Listen, listen to all listen eight. Definitely listen all eight. Yeah.
1: yeah. They're Definitely add ad reduced. add reduced. <laughs> Going from six <laughs> minutes down to like less than two
0: minutes. So you're welcome. Awesome.
1: Uh, Ryan, what do you bullish on?
0: Uh, What am I bullish on? You know what? Uh, DeFi tokens. Okay, so the Hasu podcast that Mm -hmm. we are releasing on Monday, the theme of that episode was supposed to be um, how we fix DeFi tokens. But the actual content was a bit more bearish and turned into a question of can we fix DeFi tokens? And the truth is Hasu wasn't 100% sold that we could. And yet, as we had this discussion about all of the flaws with DeFi token accrual mechanisms right now, and the regulatory landscape that um, exists, the difficulties. By the end of that episode, David, I was more bullish because yeah. I see these, all of the difficulties that we outlined, though they are um, large, are also surmountable. Right. Like it's, These are problems that can be solved.
1: We've solved them before in humanity.
0: Exactly, and so I left that episode more bullish on DeFi tokens, particularly at their current values. When you see like mm-hmm. the Uniswap, we were talking about that case, how much money it's printing, David. I was just running the math, and 70, seventy-eight uh, million dollars a day is that what it was? Something 7. like 8, that. Seven point eight. Uh, what it was it per day? Seven
1: point eight million dollars a day.
0: Seven point eight million dollars a day. So what is that? Um, Seven point eight million dollars. Four hundred and, uh, wait, wait, forty-six, I'll, I'll, fifty million a year is what that amounts to.
1: Is that it? No, no. It's 2.9 billion. <laughs> 2.9 billion
0: a year. Is seven, it
1: 7, 7.8 times three, six, five. Is two
0: point eight five. Oh billion. yes, of course, yes. Sorry, I was multiplying that only by six, not three hundred sixty-five. Two point eight billion dollars. What the fuck did you year. get six from? I don't know why the six was in my calculator instead. Uh, <laughs> proof of humanity, right here. I can't calculate everything. Um, so two point eight billion dollars, and like that's just one protocol. And anyway. I am, I am bullish on DeFi token in the future. I think the problems ahead of us from a governance perspective are completely solvable. Um, I think regulatory is an issue. It's an obstacle. But actually, the constraints that regulatory have given us, I mean, we're growing in a different way in a different direction, uh, and they're OK, and they, they will also be removed over time. So DeFi tokens is the thing I'm bullish on, David.
1: I will have to say that the fees collected by Uniswap, $2.8 billion of fees are fees that are paid to liquidity providers and you have to pay them. So I think Uniswap fairly might get 5% of those fees if it took a five, oh, that's a pretty steep charge. Uh, But let's run that number, $140 million a year uh, in revenue for Uniswap. If Uniswap took a 5% cut on the 0.03% average trading fees of Uniswap LPs.
0: 142 million a year. And what's the cost of that? Like very low, oh, couple million, right? So this is kind yeah. of it's kind of close to profit at that level. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. really cool. I am similarly bullish. Meme of the week: As, if,
1: if we can fix, if we we can fix DeFi tokens by fixing dow governance, we've got to fix DAO governance first.
0: True, true. That's uh that's the topic of yeah. Monday's podcast. Yeah. David, meme of the week. What are we looking
1: at? Meme of the week. Here we go. so this is the famous friends meme where phoebe and joey are phoebe's trying to get joey to say the words and so phoebe goes re and joey goes re and phoebe goes se, and joey goes se, and then phoebe goes eshin and joey goes eshin and phoebe goes recession and then joey
0: goes risk on
1: season yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome Yep. Which, one, which one are you positioned for, Ryan? Um, I am positioned for both. <laughs> Surprise, Phoebe and Joey. I got both sides. That's the crypto barbell strategy, risk my friend. Risk on recession. The crypto barbell strategy is all weather. Okay? Yeah. That mm-hmm. means you have cash on one side, you have crypto on the other side, you get the maximum risk on, and then you also have the safe haven, mm-hmm. risk mm-hmm. off, and nothing in the middle. That's me. Yeah.
1: That's a good meme. This is one of the better memes you've had nice nice meme yeah who did this nice meme uh some intern that works with uh Huska trades whoever oh, cool,
0: that is cool that's up-and-coming meme lord talent here guys as yeah. always crypto is risky none of this has been financial advice it never is on bankless you could definitely lose what you put in but we are headed west this is the frontier it's not for everyone but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey thanks a lot